0: This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia.
1: And you're listening to Finance Talk back on 2NURFM. Barry Preston, we are looking at a subject that affects quite a lot of people today.
0: It certainly does, and it's um, a subject that uh, we've it's been getting a lot of press lately. Yeah, Centrelink. Hello, Diane Jones. How are you?
1: Good afternoon, Barry. It's always a pleasure to be on your program.
0: Thank you very much. It's fantastic having you. And of course, Diane is a financial information services officer with Centrelink. And she's been with Centrelink for more than 22 years now, is it? It is. It is. I better change that. I had 21 years there, but <laughs> I thought we better give you a birthday party from yes. push you on. And hence, of course, you're our guest today. Look. Um, We're going to look at a few things today. We have a fairly amount on our agenda, so let's get into it. Now, I believe um, if anyone has access to the internet, Centrelink has some excellent fact sheets. Is this true?
1: We certainly do. Where there's lots of information for um, seniors, for the unemployed, students, and families.
0: So probably a suggestion is if let's get into the uh, internet site. So before we go too much further, if somebody could run away if you, our listeners, if you have a pen and paper or pencil and paper handy, get it ready because we're going to give you some uh, numbers and some uh, areas to dive in and have a look. And of course, these fact sheets bring up the. It doesn't give you the detail, but it gives you the facts of what it's all about, doesn't it? Now, where would people find these fact sheets?
1: I think the first thing is to go to the Centrelink uh, website we... and um centrelink.gov.au or for those who Google a lot, just put in the word Centrelink and it will bring it up.
0: <laughs> Google a lot. Yeah. Google used to be doodling once <laughs> I put it on, now it's Googling anyway. Googling yeah. a lot, yeah. So www.centrelink.gov, which is gov.au. That's right. Where do you go then?
1: Um, There's lots of different... Like most websites, there's lots of different ways to get to the the same point of view, but I like to use um, browsing by publications. So there's a list on the left-hand side of your different options. You click on publications, and that takes you to all the different um, uh, brochures, leaflets that Centrelink has. And
0: and that also is an excellent way to go, because if you're looking purely, say, for... um, uh, parental assistance, you wouldn't be looking at the aged area and anything that's like right. that. So that's right. it's like the index on a, on a prospectus. That's Read that's it, right. go to the ones you're interested in, forget the rest.
1: And then it's an A to Z directory. So if you know that there's a topic you want to look at, then you just go to that letter of the alphabet and browse through what publications are listed for that that topic.
0: Now, could if anyone wants to download a fact sheet, can they download it and save it into their computer and look at it later? Is it that they friendly? They
1: certainly can. I mean, uh, you can waste a lot of paper printing things out. So if you want to save it and then you can have a read of it later on, of course you can print it out as well.
0: Fantastic. Okay, let's get into it. Now, I know there's certain tests that you've got to go through, and this doesn't mean that you're going to pass or fail or you're kept in after school, but there's a thing called an assets test. Now, what is an assets test, and why is there one?
1: Most people applying for a Centrelink payment, whether it's a pension or allowance, are subject to an assets test. So an asset's any item of value that you own, um, with some exceptions, including um, assets you uh, hold outside Australia. And um, we call them accessible assets um, if they're taken into account in working out how much payment you receive.
0: Right. And one of those, of course, could include money that you may have given away?
1: That's right. There are special rules about gifting. And again, there's a fact sheet under G for gifting that, that goes through the specific rules about what's allowed, what's taken into account. It's an excellent
0: website once you start to move in and read around. It's, uh, it, it's, it's quite reasonably friendly, I found, very yeah, much so. and
1: there is a lot of information there that um, people can take their time to have a read.
0: And if anyone's lent money to somebody interest-free, that, of course, is an accessible asset too?
1: That's <coughs> right. Um, you know, whether you've got money in bank accounts or shares or managed funds or money on loan to a family member, all of those things are counted as your asset.
0: Right, OK. So there's lots of them. Get that fact sheet and have a look at it. Now, there's obviously some assets that we call them assets, but they are exempt. Exactly. Any chance of your naming some of these?
1: Yeah, the, the major one, of course, is uh, the what we call the principal home, the, the home you live in, and generally up to two hectares of land, five acres for those who are more familiar with that, um, surrounding your home is exempted. Um, for some people, there can be a larger area of land exempted. But there's, again, there's a separate fact sheet on that one.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Now, people have said to me, look, OK, if our, la- if our home's exempt and we need money and we get one of these reverse mortgages and take $50,000 out of our home, mm. which is what's our home, now all of a sudden it's, it's an asset. What's the...
1: Well, that's only if you don't spend the money. If you put the money in a bank account, um, then what's in your bank account um, uh, is counted if it's not spent. But I guess many people borrow either to um, uh, pay some bills, pay their home, have a holiday, um, uh, buy a car. So that can change the situation.
0: Of course, if you buy a car with it, then that becomes an asset then, doesn't it? Yeah, but hmm.
1: you can have quite a few assets before... Before a
0: pension And without getting too complex, one comes up is if you have an asset in an estate, somebody has deceased and left you some money within the estate.
1: That's right. Is there, there a fact sheet on that too? Um, it, there is some information on um, just what counted as an asset, but just to clarify for people who um, are to receive some money from a will, that's not counted by Centrelink until it's actually distributed to you or it is able to be distributed to you. So that's normally when the estate's wound up.
0: Right, and I think there's one there on funeral expenses and cemetery plots and all those sort of things. Yeah. Still. It's not a nice subject, but uh, we're right. all heading that way, aren't
1: we? For, for older people, it's, it's very important that they um, have that um, sense that that's um, taken care of and paid for. And um, Centrelink um, exempts up to um, 10000 that's in a, a funeral investment specifically for um, uh, your funeral expenses. Or if you prepaid the funeral, then that's also exempt.
0: Diane Jones is a financial information services officer with Centrelink and Diane has been with Centrelink, as we said, for 22 years and she's with us today talking about the various things that are happening at Centrelink and uh, advising people where they may go to get information. Now, one of our favourite subjects, of course, which is probably not that well known, is the pension bonus scheme. Now, uh, can you let... we, we? Obviously can't let this go without bringing it up each time we talk to you, but it's a scheme that uh, we never, we never, a lot of people don't know about, Diane.
1: It certainly don't. I've talked to a couple of people already this morning that have only recently became aware of it. So it's a scheme that's um, for people who are over age pension age and who stay in the workforce and defer claiming the age pension. So it's a scheme where they can receive a lump sum tax free bonus when they do eventually retire and claim the age pension.
0: Okay, so what are some of the tests that one must meet? You know, is there an income test, assets test, or would they both fit under this? income
1: or assets test when they register for the bonus. Mm -hmm. But how much they're going to receive will uh, be based on the assets and income test for the age pension. So um, when they do retire, it will depend on what savings and investments and and income and assets they have when they do retire. But to give you a bit of an idea, uh, a single homeowner... um, to be cut out of any pension altogether would ha- need to have assets apart from their home of more than 550,000, and for couples um, who own their own home would need to have assets of more than 873,500 before they'd be cut out of at least some part pension.
0: Right, so it's worthwhile looking at this. And now, is it difficult to register for this pension bonus scheme?
1: No, it's not. It's um, it's a simple um uh, claim form that they fill out. Uh, generally, the, the people are meant to register within three months of reaching age pension age. So that's sixty five for a male, sixty three and a half for a female. A little bit younger for the the women at the moment, but gradually going up.
0: <laughs> We're becoming equal, are we? <laughs> we are. Well, <laughs> um
1: but we could, every day we find people who um, are more than three months past age pension age and hadn't heard about the scheme. So it's not too late is the message. They can phone Centrelink um, and get a registration form mailed to them fill that in and return it to Centrelink and and just make us aware that you weren't aware of the pension bonus scheme and we can backdate it in those situations.
0: So really and truly it's worthwhile registering because if you do find out later down the track that you do come into some good luck and whatever the case may be, then you're not eligible. It's no skin off anybody's nose.
1: No, it's just a bit of time filling out a form now, but potentially you may be eligible to receive, as I say, a tax-free lump sum amount when you retire and claim the age pension.
0: And if you haven't registered, bad luck. Yeah, we don't want people to miss out. Well,
1: we don't want people to miss
0: out. And when you register, what happens then? Does anything happen?
1: Um, no, we just ask people to keep track of that they've been uh, working enough hours to satisfy us for the work test. So that's 960 hours of, of work each uh, 12-month period. So that's an average of 20 hours a week, 48 weeks a year. But it doesn't matter how you reach the, the 960 hours, as long as each 12 months. Uh, you've worked at
0: that minimum requirement. So let's assume husband and wife. Husband's working, both pensionable age. Husband's working, wife's not working, and they both register. Does the wife receive anything at all?
1: Again, um, she can um, still use. She doesn't have to work to qualify for a bonus at the end. As long as her husband's meeting the, the, the requirements, then she can receive a bonus again um, when he retires.
0: So send, flog, him, flog him, and send him out to work. I think that's the message, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> so really and truly, it's something that you should register for, even though it may not come to fruition.
1: There's, there's no harm in registering, um, but, you know, there's that opportunity that um, you, you may miss out if you, if you think that um, you, it's not worth registering now.
0: Okay. One that always comes up, deeming. I know you like to bring it up and <laughs> keep things up to date. First of all, what is deeming?
1: Yeah. It's a simple set of social security r- rules that are used to work out how much income that Centrelink counts from, we call them financial assets. And under the the deeming rules, we assume or have a set interest rate that's calculated on people's um, investments, regardless of the income they actually earn.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, okay, let's pick uh, uh, a married couple. Okay. Um, now, they've got money, so what's the maximum amount of money they can have and then we'll split it up, or do you want to split it up and look at it from that point of view? No,
1: if they have um, uh, no other income or assets apart from their home and, and the pension, then a, a couple could have a total of about 173000 invested in financial assets, so hmm. bank accounts, shares, managed funds, uh, money on loan to their family, before the deemed interest that Centrelink would count would be reducing their rate of age pension.
0: Right, and they've got to have, uh, let's assume, uh, okay, a married couple, what's the... There are two tiers, isn't I think there are two tiers?
1: That's right. The, the married people, the first 68,200, Centrelink assumes an interest rate at the moment of 3%, mm-hmm. above that 4%. So... The, the calculations on 173000 work out what the allowable income that a couple can have and get the full pension. Right. Of course, the deeming rates are always under review and they're <laughs> set that you can achieve that on very safe investments like your Bank Building Society credit union accounts. Right.
0: Now, let us assume that you earn more than that. You were lucky enough to lock it away f- the whole lot at 5%. Yeah. Are there any penalties here?
1: No, Centrelink only accounts the, the deeming rate. So um, it's certainly an advantage for people who were able to lock in um, uh, middle of last year at much better interest rates than they are now. Um, so it's only ever the deemed rate that Centrelink would use to assess income.
0: So it's good to look around and, uh, again, bring in your own uh, risk profile and uh, um, assess that. That's exactly right. Okay. Now, look, we, we hear a lot about funds that have been frozen... Um, it doesn't mean that the fund's gone bad it means That's that right. the fund has stopped um, redemptions uh, but if the fund had been set up to get your monthly income then there's no change there but some funds have actually said no, no more to redemptions and there's many reasons for that it doesn't mean the fund's bad or anything like that it's just that it means that the structure of the fund doesn't allow it to sell down assets and give you back your money at this stage what happens if somebody strikes one of these what should they do?
1: There's a few different categories um, that, that they, these investments fall into, and um, I mean, the ones where we can adjust their Centrelink payments are usually the ones where um, the company um, is has failed totally, and they're in liquidation, and a liquidator has um, looked at what, what return they may receive on their investment.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's one that has been wiped out, but there are very few of those, mm-hmm. I think, which is yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. If it's
1: just frozen and and, um, they haven't lost any of their investment, then generally Centrelink would continue to count that as their asset and deem some interest on it until we become aware that um, they're not likely to get all of their capital returned.
0: Right. So everything – there is no set uh, answer for each person – for everybody. It is a – or a blanket answer. It's a matter of sitting down and saying, (coughs) okay – Where do we fit in? And talk to Centrelink. Don't panic or anything like that. Just talk to Centrelink.
1: There's some people, if they've got all of their investments frozen and they don't have other savings or investments they can draw on and they're in financial hardship, they should certainly be talking to Centrelink to see whether we can assist
0: them. Right. And so it's the same thing. In a number of cases, it's the misunderstanding or what someone else said and we don't hear the correct message. So speak to Centrelink for sure. Most definitely. Okay. Now, is there anything else that we should be looking at, do you think?
1: Um, Well, I think encouraging your listeners to um, firstly use the Centrelink website and to phone Centrelink if they have queries. You can imagine our offices are quite busy at the moment. So, if they're able to um, do their business over the phone or or find information they're looking for on the Centrelink website, it's much better than um, uh, coming into one of our offices which are very busy.
0: Now, what is the website again?
1: Um, Centrelink, dot, that's one word, dot G-O-V dot au. And there is a lot of information there, and, and sometimes it does take a little time to, to find out what you're looking for. But it's it certainly... Um, very easy to read um, a lot of the leaflets and, and brochures that are available there.
0: Hmm. Don't forget to put the three wobble yous in front.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, or just um, Google. I find that that works very, very well when you're searching.
0: Google. Google. Diane, on behalf of uh, 2NURFM 103.7 and all our listeners, thank you very much indeed for g- again for being our guest and bringing us up to date with some uh, matters of Centrelink. Look after yourself and uh, keep safe.
1: Thank you for the opportunity to talk to your listeners. It's always a pleasure, Barry.
0: Thank you.